um, and, you know, you sit there and you try to figure out what they're going to get to, and that can be kind of fun and stimulating, but I'll tell you what isn't fun. What isn't fun is when our mind is playing games on us, and I think that, being that I've done this for like a week and a half now, most of us have this issue that you're that we wrestle with in the area of our mind. And that is that oftentimes we can be sitting and being completely calm, everything going well, and then we get a rush of anxiety in our life or we begin to worry, we begin to stress out. Maybe there's times in our life where we feel perfectly confident in doing something and then the next time we go around to do it, we feel completely uh, incompetent to do it. We feel insecure about doing it. And we find it our times where our minds just kind of go from peace and, 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 and uh, solace to completely anxiety and feeling overwhelmed in life. And why is that? Why, why, is that, why does that happen? And where does it come from? And how do we overcome it in our life? I think that the phrase that we're going to be using in the series is, do you ever think about what you think about? And, I mean, and it sounds kind of funny, but the reality is, is that we don't. And that's why we can sit on the couch for, or in the chair or in a park bench for 15, 20, 30 minutes and then kind of pause and go, why am I all stressed down about whatever it is? It's not even happening. And yet you spent 35, 40 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes of your life and you're just totally overwhelmed with it. And the reality is, is that you aren't thinking about what you're thinking about. And your mind is just taking you off into the bushes, and you're in the weeds, as Dr. Phil would say, right? And your wheels have fallen off your wagon, and you're having a tough time. And here's what's interesting about all of us. That happens to us, and we actually think it's normal. Because no one's ever told us that it isn't. And we sit around and we think, well, everyone does it, therefore it must be normal. And yet in Scripture, we're told in 1 first, uh, first, uh, uh, first Corinthians 2 that we're to have the mind of Christ. And you kind of wonder and you say, is that the mind of Christ? I don't think so. But we've embraced it and it's just become a normal part of our thinking in our life. And so what I want to do today as we start off in the series, I, I want to talk about um, kind of the mind Paul is, is admonishing and, and encouraging, I guess I should say, should say the church. He's worried that their, mi- their mind is getting hijacked and that we'll see this over the next couple weeks, that their minds are going to places where it shouldn't go. And he's, he's encouraging them to be careful about where their mind goes and their thought life goes. And, and so today as we kind of begin to lay the foundation, I want to talk a little bit about the reality of our mind and understanding how it works, how it affects us, and why those thoughts come in and where those thoughts come into. So the very top of your outline, if you have an outline inside your program, pull it out, and we're going to have a key thought for the series. And the key thought is that our spiritual enemy will attack our minds whenever and as often as he can, even though we may be a Christ follower. See, oftentimes we think that as a as a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that our minds aren't going to be uh, a, an area of, an, of attack spiritually. Well, when it comes to spiritual warfare, more often than not, the enemy is going to use our thoughts 
more than anything else. Okay? And that's something that we need to understand. We oftentimes think it's kind of a demonic thing, but it really is a thought process in which the enemy will use in our life. And so as believers in Jesus Christ, sometimes there is an oppression. There is a spiritual oppression that's taking place. But more often than not, we've bought into errors in the word of God and we've believed it and it has become a truth to us. And we'll see that as we work through today's today's lesson. So like, for instance, we think worry is perfectly acceptable because everyone worries. And yet Jesus says, don't worry. We think that it's perfectly acceptable to feel insecure. And yet when we recognize what Christ has done for us, then we realize that that truth shouldn't hold up in our life. People struggle with, and especially females, struggle with self-worth. They have low self-esteem, right? Which, as a result, causes all kinds of poor choices in their life. And they don't recognize, as believers in Jesus Christ, that their worth comes from what Christ has done for them and to them and through them. And we've taken an error and we've allowed it to come into our mind and we've allowed to believe it as truth. And Paul talks to the church, not to the world, but to the church, and he warns them about their thinking. Okay? So when we talk about the enemy, you know, I don't want to get mystical and, and all that kind of stuff, and everyone thinks that, you know, there's kind of two extremes in spiritual warfare. One is, one extreme is there's a devil behind every picture in your house, and you just got to pull the pictures off and race the devil out of your house, right? And then the other extreme is that there is no uh, demonic force and, 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 and war that's taking place. And my goal is to try to bring us to the middle, right, and, and recognize that there is, and the enemy will use it, either oppress us, or he'll allow us to buy into lies that we hold as truth in our life. All right, so let's take a look as we work through. So let's realize the truths about your mind, all right? Number one is that your mind must be conquered. It must be conquered. If you have your Bibles, 2 Corinthians today, chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 3. I'm going to read through, then we're going to come back and work through um, some of the words I want you to, to highlight and circle, all right? So, verse 3, you ready? <clears throat> all right. I know you guys are new here in this church. You get to talk back a little bit, but not too much. We'll throw you out. So, I like to know that you're here today. All right. Are we ready? Yeah. All right. Though we live in the world, okay, and that is that we live in, not in a global sense, right, which we do, so welcome to the world, but in the, this word is used for flesh, all right? So really a better translation would be flesh or carnal self, okay? So though, though, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And again, remember that that word world means flesh or carnal. Verse 4. The weapons that we fight are not the weapons of the world, the flesh, right? On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So circle the word stronghold. Verse 5. We demolish arguments and right under the word arguments, write the word logic. Because that's actually a better translation. 
and every pretension, and that is claim. You can write claim underneath that. That sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we'll get into what that word means. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. All right, so let's just kind of take a survey from the top. So you have the word logic, okay, and claim. You have the word knowledge, and you have the word thought, all right? So Paul is talking about a person's mind, right? You have logic, you have knowledge, and you have the word thought in there. So when Paul is talking about strongholds, he's talking about in a person's mind. In a person's mind, they have strongholds. Now, the strongholds in your outline, to give you a definition, it means to fortify through an idea of holding safely, or it means a castle, all right? So oftentimes where smaller groups of people and nations would fight, if they're around an area of mountains their stronghold would be in the mountains. So if a larger country would come against them, they would all flee up into the caves and into the caverns, and they would use it as a stronghold. So the enemy was coming up the hill. They couldn't be flanked from the back or the side. They could only be faced forward. And so as they came up the hill to attack them, they had a stronghold. They had a strong position. They could attack their enemy and have victory in it. All right. So that is the thought that Paul says. There is a castle, there is a, something that's fortified in your mind, all right? And it may not necessarily be true, but it is a, it is a thought, it is a logic, it, it is in your brain, and it has taken residence in your life. Are we tracking so far? Are we tracking so far? All right? So, so the enemy, in your outline, the enemy is going to use the system of thought to establish claims against godly truth that are only in your mind. Okay? So again, in a spiritual warfare sense, the vast majority of the spiritual warfare in which we will experience is going to come through our mind. We are going to hold on to truths that we believe are true although they are against or opposed to the knowledge of God. All right? And those become strongholds in your life. All right? And when something is a stronghold or it fortifies in your life, you begin to make decisions around a false truth. You begin to make decisions around something that is an error with God and God's word. Does that make sense? So, for instance, if you have a low self-esteem, then you are going to make decisions about your career, about school, about vocations, about relationships that is going to evolve around a low self-esteem. You will not feel worthy of certain types of people. You'll say, well, he isn't, she isn't good, uh, uh, they're too good for me. And so I need to kind of go for a fixer-upper. I don't need to go for someone who's healthy, right? Because I have a low self-esteem. I'm not worthy of that. I'm not worthy to go to higher education or a college or whatever because I'm not whatever it is, and I have a low self-esteem. And so it keeps me 
kind of suppress. Does that make sense? So when we have a false truth in our head, it becomes a stronghold. And we believe it as truth. And we kind of, if you will, we hold it up as the gospel truth in our life. And we make decisions around that specific stronghold in our life. All right? And as a result of believing a truth that isn't true and living with that and just thinking, well, that's just the way it is. Everyone worries. Everyone has low self-esteem. Everyone feels insecure. Everyone has panic attacks. Everyone has anxiety. Because we live that way and we think that that just becomes the normal way of doing business. But is that the mind of Christ? And the answer is no, it isn't. And yet all of us are certainly open to that in our life. Let me throw on a couple other strongholds just to get you thinking. Compulsiveness, where you're compelled to do certain things and you even have an excuse why you do it. Obsession, you're obsessed with certain things and you even have an excuse why you do it. Someone says, what are you doing? You already have, you know your story. You're going to tell them. You sit here, perhaps you have bitterness and resentment in your heart. It has become a stronghold in your life. You have accepted it as the truth and you just live that way. You think everyone's bitter. Everyone should hate their whoever it is. Uncontrollable lust, it's just how I am. I mean, I can't stop. It's just how God made me. Fears and phobias. There are times in our life where folks who have fears and phobia, you just are overwhelmed with worry, right? You're stressed out. If it isn't one thing you're worrying about, you're worrying about three other things, right? Go home and Google phobias from a clinical sense. There is a phobia for everything. I'm not kidding you. I mean, the funniest one is, and I can't remember the name of it, (laughs) but it's a phobia that you believe that a wolf is going to chase you through your kitchen floor while you have socks on. And I guess you can't run. Right? You think I'm kidding. Some of you got smartphones. You guys are doing it right now. Let's see if this guy's telling me the truth. Verse 4, the weapons we fight are not weapons of the world, again, of the flesh. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish or to tear down or to remove those strongholds in our life. So here is an area of concern. We can sit here today and we can just say, that's just how I am. Pastor Dan is overreacting. Everyone has issues everyone has struggles and that's just the way it is or we can say is it the mind of christ to have that and if the answer is no then we need to learn how to demolish those and to tear those down and to remove them and so here's what many of uh, many folks will do in your outline is that we will try to conquer our mind using worldly or fleshly ways and the scripture clearly states that you are not going to conquer your mind using fleshly or earthly ways. Now, I am not opposed to education. I think education is great. If you're not going to school, you need to go to school. 
All right, so we'll just get that out of the way. But educating our minds is not going to remove the strongholds in our life. Okay? So then we'll have people say, well, just think positive. You know, that's a great thing. And listen, I'd much rather be around positive people than negative people. Wouldn't you? Right? But it reminds me of the story of the little kid who comes home and he has a math test. And he tells his dad, he says, Dad, I'm going to fail my, my math test. And his dad says, oh, honey, don't say that. Be positive about it. And he says, okay, Dad, I'm positive I'm going to fail my math test. Right? Being positive isn't going to make you succeed. Now, it's a good thing to have, there's, and there's nothing wrong with education. There's nothing wrong with being, being positive. But we need something greater than ourselves to tear down the strongholds in our life. And so Paul says that the strongholds to be torn down must have divine power or godly power to remove it. All right? And so in your outline, the weapons to conquer our mind have divine power or godly power in our life. Right? That's the only way that we're going to remove it. And so one of the weapons that we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks is the B-I-B-L-E. Okay? The Bible, all right? You've got to have a knowledge of Scripture in order to break down the lies that you have in your mind. You say, well, why is that? Well, let me just tell you. If you don't know something is an error, you are gullible to believe it as the truth, right? If you sit here today and you struggle with low self-esteem, and you do not recognize that if you are the only person on this earth, if God didn't make Adam and Eve and he just made Dan, okay, that God would have still sent Jesus Christ to die for me. That's how much you're worth to God. That he is willing to send his one and only son to die on a cross for you. And there's more. That when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are adopted into the family of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. Our value does not come from who we are, but comes from who he is in and through us. And when I stand and I look in the mirror, and I may, not, and I may say, I don't like how I look, and I'm not tall enough, and I'm not this, and I'm not that, I need to remind myself that when God created me, he says, you are a masterpiece. And the word oops is not in God's vocabulary. He does not make mistakes. He does not say, whoop, let's backspace. Let's fix that. And so as we sit here today, if you don't recognize that, then it's easy to buy into and have a low self-esteem. Because your worth isn't coming through Christ. I don't call it self-worth. I call it Christ-worth, right? It comes through Christ in and through us. And so if you don't recognize truth, then you're going to be open to all the errors in which we believe. And those are the strongholds in our life. Strongholds like, I can't, believe, I can't change. It's just who I am. I can't overcome the addiction. That's just who I am. Right? Those are lies or strongholds that we've believed in our mind, and they have become, quote, the gospel in our life. And we make decisions around those, those uh, strongholds in our life. And so you have to have something of authority 
to do the eviction in our mind. So if you can just get this picture. If you imagine that some point in your life, you have bought into an error, right? A truth that isn't consistent with God's word. And you have allowed it to take residence and it has fortified itself in your mind. You need something that has greater power than you to go in and evict it from it. Just like if you have rental property and someone doesn't pay and you knock on the door and you say, get out, and the person says, I'm not getting out. You have to go get an attorney, fill out the paperwork, file at the court, serve him, blah, 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 to eventually get an eviction notice that doesn't come on your authority but comes on the authority of the government to get out. And then the sheriff comes, knocks on the door, changes the locks, and you know the routine. Maybe you don't. Hope you don't. But they come under the authority of the government to do the eviction. And in your mind, if you've allowed a stronghold into your life to fortify itself, then you need something greater than yourself in order to do the eviction, to remove it. In, in Luke chapter uh, 10, verse 19, kind of explains that. And it says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes. So next week we're going to have snakes and scorpions. No, I hate snakes, frogs, any lizards. I don't like any of that stuff. When I get to heaven, it's not going to be, hey, Moses, how did that work? I, I'm going to be like, God, why did you make mosquitoes and snakes? Right? What were you thinking? That's my thought. All right? You probably have other things. So... Skip that part. We're not going to get into snake handling this week. It'll be the following week. He says uh, 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 that he has given us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So our authority is not based on us, but it's on Christ. And so the eviction notice comes from Christ to evict, to demolish, to tear down the strongholds in our life. And so we need to recognize that your mind must be conquered, right? Whether it's, it's an oppression from the spirit, whether it's a lie that you believe, your mama told you, your grandma told you, whatever it is, the school kids told you, you've believed it, it has become a stronghold in your life, okay? Number two, the second principle is this, that your mind needs to be renewed and reclaimed, all right? Your mind needs to be remo- renewed and and reclaimed, and maybe your mind does need to be removed. I don't know. <laughs> and again, here's the confusion. As believers, our spirit is born again. That's that churchy term that no one likes. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our spirit is born again. But our mind is renewed daily. Right? That's why a person can be a follower of Christ in their heart, but their minds aren't always where their heart is. You follow me? Right? So our mind needs to be renewed and reclaimed on a daily basis in our walk and in our life. Back to verse 5. We demolish arguments or logic and every uh, claim that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Go back and circle the word knowledge. All right? Here's where oftentimes believers will take this passage and they'll say, well, in my mind, I believe, and they'll share the general gospel. 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he died on a cross, that he rose again, that he died for my sins. I invited Jesus into my life. I don't have any logic or claims against that. The problem with that word knowledge is it's bigger than that. It's not talking specifically just about the the gospel part. It's talking about the word of God or the truth of God. It actually means the science of God. All right? And so any thought or logic or claim that we believe that is against the knowledge of God. So for instance, again, back to the low self-esteem because I think that's something that's fitting is, is folks will wrestle with that or a sense of insecurity. If you believe, or you, you bought into a low self-esteem, that is against the knowledge of God. If you feel insecure or inferior, that is against the knowledge of God. If you sit and worry about all the issues in life and whatever else that's going on in your life, that is against the knowledge of God. Are we following? So it isn't just about Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's about other areas that go against God. And when we believe those strongholds, they take root in our life. And again, our life functions around those strongholds that we have in our life. And so he says that they come against the knowledge of God. And then he says, and we take captive every thought. And we'll talk about how we do that. We're actually going to do it. And we make it obedient to Christ. All right? So we must take captive any, right, any thought that is inconsistent with God's word. So any thought that we have that's inconsistent with God's word, we must take captive. We cannot continue to allow the thought in our mind, or you can use thoughts in our mind. Okay, are we following? So anything that is against the knowledge of God that we've allowed or we've believed that has become a stronghold in our life, we must hold captive and we must hold them. And that literally means take take prisoner with a spear, actually. We need to take captive and hold them until it becomes obedient to Christ. Now, if you're new here, um, I suffer with panic attacks. And that's something that I've... So part of today in this whole series is really my journey that I've gone through. My first panic attack was probably around 20 years ago. And um, it's gotten better partially because this is what I do. What I'm telling you is exactly what I do on a regular basis. My mind can go into the weeds faster than you know how. Trust me. And so I've learned how to control my mind and work through the things that are going through my mind. And it was a time where I don't like speaking in front of people. I hate it. All right? Through the years, I've gotten a little bit better. I don't have near the panic attacks that I used to have. But it used to be when I'd stand behind off stage. I mean, my heart was racing. I would be sick at my stomach. And I would think of every reason why I shouldn't come out. Right? And so what I share with you today is part of my journey. And through the years, um, God has brought a lot of you folks <laughs> who, who wrestle with these types of issues into my life. And we've been able to kind of work through my journey and taking God's word, applying it into my life 
to experience the help. Now, this isn't new. I mean, Paul understood this. And so this goes back all the way back to, uh, to into times of Scripture. And so let's just take the idea of as we kind of hold the thought captive, okay? Again, using the low self-esteem. If you sit and you look at yourself in the mirror, you think about who you are, and you don't like yourself, right? I don't like how I look. I don't like how I act. I don't like my personality, whatever the case is. And you have a low self-esteem, you need to hold that thought. You need to hold it captive in your mind. And then you need to take the truth about who you are in Christ, that Christ died for you if you're the only person on this earth. He bankrupt heaven for your soul. You're a child of God. You're part of the king. You're co-heirs with Christ, right? All those thoughts and principles from Scripture, and you are to take those truths and you are to demolish the stronghold that you are unworthy, that you are insignificant, okay? And you are to bust those down in your life. You take the truth of God and you hold it up to the error or the lie or the stronghold and you evict it from your life, okay? Now, let me just say this, that if you do it, it doesn't mean it's one and done, it means it's one today or this afternoon or today, right now, and it may have to happen tonight, right? Because it's the mind is being renewed constantly. And so if you wrestle with those things, those, those strongholds are going to come back into your life and they're going to reappear, hello, right? And then you need to bust them down with the truth of God. Are we tracking Okay. And that's how we begin to hold it captive. And then once we hold it captive and we take the word of God into our life, it demolishes that stronghold. We don't act on it. We don't think on it. We don't begin to live it out in our life. We begin to tear it down. We let the, the authority of the word of God to tear it down in our life. All right? And, and so, you know, people say, like, self-control. I, I just can't control myself. Really? You know what part of the fruit of the Spirit is? Shall we go through? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness. Self-control. Oh, man. Why they put that one in there? Right? And so when we, when we have areas of our life where we say, you know, I, I just can't stop. Really? That's not the mind of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So you've got to hold, I can't control myself. I'm uncontrollable. That is a stronghold that you have in your life and you've got to take the word of God, the truth of God, and you need to demolish that in your life. Are we, are we following okay? Now look with me in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 verse 1. Therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy. In other words, after all that God has done for you, he sent Jesus, he died on the cross, he rose again. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices because of all the stuff that he's done for you. And that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your act of spiritual wor uh, worship. Verse 2. Do not, conform, uh, do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. Okay? That is the pattern of the thinking, acting, behaving. Right? The strongholds that the world and the enemy throws at us that we hold on to no longer operate in that pattern. Okay? In which the answer is, great. I don't want to. 
And then he gives us a little bit of an explanation here. He says, but be transformed. Wonderful. How? Well, the next part tells us. By the renewing of your mind. Your soul is redeemed and born again. Your mind is renewed daily or moment by moment as we think on godly things and godly thoughts. Right? So to bust the pattern of the world, to no longer conform to it, to get rid of the strongholds in our life, is to begin to renew our mind on a regular basis. Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what's the next four words? Let's try it one more time. Think on such things, right? It's not, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Then he goes on in verse 9, whatever you have learned and received and heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so now let's walk through this again, because oftentimes we'll we'll work as I work through people. And again, this is this is me. All right. This is me. This is exactly what I do. When I experience something where I begin to feel kind of the panic attack coming on or a stronghold in my life where I begin to kind of stress on about something, the first thing I ask myself is, is is it true? Is it true? Because the reality in most anxiety issues is it is a false reality that you're believing. You're believing something that's taking place that isn't taking place. Okay? And so you ask yourself, is it true? Is what I'm thinking in my thoughts right now Is it true? Is there evidence to believe it? All right? This is, again, for for folks who have low self-esteem in in relationships, husbands husbands and wives, listen, if you have low self-esteem, you'll suffer from insecurity, and as a result of insecurity, you'll always question whether your spouse is fooling around on you or not. Everyone just went, what? It's true. And let me just say, say something else to you. You know what you'll do? You'll find yourself looking around to try to find evidence that they are. And you'll go through drawers and look underneath the car seat and pull their phone up, check their email. How did he know? 24 years, folks, of counseling. Right? 24 years. So here's what I say to folks when I get the phone calls. And I do. And I say, tell me the evidence that you have. Well, I don't have evidence. In the past, is there any history? No. In his past or in her past, is there any history? No. What is the truth? Truth is there is no evidence. Then why are we believing an error? Right? Because if there's truth, then that's a whole different ballgame. But if you allow your insecurity to take you're just gonna, it's just going to snowball on you. And it's going to affect the relationships that you're currently in. And so number one, <laughs> and I don't know that God did this in order, but this is in my, in my mind. Number one is always, is it a true thought? 
Is there reality to it? If there isn't, I disregard it. I move on because I recognize that my mind is swept me away. Second one is noble, right? Is it noble? And that means in perfect harmony with God. So is it true? Is the thought that I'm having in perfect harmony with God? In the area of self-worth, in the area of, uh, of uh, being sufficient, is it in harmony with who I am as a believer in Jesus Christ? The third, the third one is right, and that is thinking on righteous things. So it's, it's similar to the to noble. Number four, uh, the fourth one is pure, and that means morally clean. Is my thought morally clean? What I'm thinking, what I'm experiencing in life, is it morally clean? Lovely means sweet, patient. It also can mean generosity or generous. Okay? Is my thought sweet? Is it patient? Is it generous? Now just think about that thought when it comes to relationships. Are you being generous to your spouse or to your kids? And I'm not talking about giving. I'm talking about giving them a break. You like that one, huh? Let's do the wave right now. Ready? Uh, next one is admirable. And that means good report or well thought of. Again, think of that in the context of relationships. If you're insecure, right, and that's something you wrestle with self-worth, and we already just talked about how that snowball rolls, is the thought that you're having, is it well thought of of that person? Excellent and praiseworthy, and that means excellent and praiseworthy. Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? And then that last part of that promise is that when we put it into practice, what do we experience? We experience the God of peace in our life. So again, the goal is the mind of Christ. If our mind, if our mind isn't the mind of Christ, then it is abnormal for believers in Jesus Christ. Now, you may have accepted it, and it may be just part of your living but it doesn't mean that it's right. And so the challenge for us is to really begin to think about what we're thinking about and analyzing that. And when we have, if you wrestle with thoughts or you wrestle with anxiety and worry and so forth, is to take captive the thoughts, hold it prisoner until you take the truth of God and you begin to evict it from your life. Okay, so here's a couple homework assignments. Homework assignment for some of you is this. When you have a thought that's not consistent with God's truth, <clears throat> hold it captive until it's removed. And it is a practice makes perfect experience. That's my experience. Okay, I, I did not conquer this in a week. It's taken many, many years to begin to do it. And there's still times where I slip back in and I, I start wrestling with. Step number two, or the next step for us is on the way out, for many of you, here's what I put together, I think it will be helpful, is 
some reading plans and some memory plans. Because again, to recognize error, you have to know the truth. And in order to evict the strongholds in your life, it's not by flesh and it's not by worldly knowledge, but it's by the power of God in your life. The eviction process takes place by understanding the B-I-B-L-E and the truth, all right? And so on the way out, on the little tables on the way out, I have a couple different things to grab a hold of if you'd like. A little card is 50 verses to memorize, okay? And so these don't have the verse, the, the actual scripture on it. You'll have to look them up, but something easy you could place in your Bible, all right? If you want the scripture on it, the gold, the other yellow sheet, the 8, eight and a half by 11, has 52 verses on it, and the verses are already there. Now, they're not all NIV. Some of them are King James, but they're great verses to begin to memorize to understand the truth of God in your life. That makes sense? For those of you who wrestle with negative self-talk, that is, your mind is constantly going and it's beating you up. There's an article that I printed, and it's from a Christian uh, author, and it's six tips to overcome negative self-talk in your life. It's, I think that's green. It's a green sheet on the way back, and then the... And then the uh, uh, link, if you'd like to go and look more into what she has to say, you're welcome to. And then in the wall grids on all the sides, there's Bible reading plans for the year. There's Bible reading plans for 10 days. There's different Bible reading um, plans that you can grab a hold of. Again, the goal is if you're going to overcome the mind games that you wrestle with, it has to be with divine power, godly power, in order to break it. Otherwise, you will not have victory over it. The eviction process has to come from the authority of God. Let's pray.